The good news for you is that he is alive. He came back. And he came back for you so that you could experience spiritually that same resurrection of the Lord. That he can come into your heart and make you a new creature alive again. Because he lived, you can live also. Hello, and welcome to the Portland General Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're excited and blessed you chose to be with us today. Sunday, April the 12th, 2020, was Easter Sunday, the day that we celebrate when Jesus Christ rose from the grave following His crucifixion and burial. Today, we will hear Brother Larry Treadway's Easter Sermon from Mark chapter 16, entitled, He Came Back. You just open your Bible to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. I appreciate those that have made this possible. Uh, Brother Roy has set up the Facebook uh, videoing, and Brother Brent's upstairs recording the sound and the CDs. And uh, Roy and Rich both were playing. Brother Rich on the organ, and uh, Brother Roy on the piano doing our music. And I really appreciate that. So it's brought us to the time now that we open God's Word to Mark chapter 16. Today we're celebrating the resurrection of the Lord. I hope every day we celebrate it. But today is a special day set on our calendar that people kind of turn their thoughts toward the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now this was going to be a very special weekend for our church. Yesterday was supposed to be a special mini vacation Bible school type program for four or five hours, ending with a Easter egg hunt for the kids. Of course, that did not take place. Today, we had a restaurant uh, reserved for our Easter sunrise service, and then we were coming together for this service with three choir specials and communion and the church family coming together. None of that came about either, but we're here anyway, and we've still got the same Lord, and we are still have the same Spirit of God dwelling within us. We still have the same family of God, so a lot of things haven't changed. Just the way we do things have changed a little bit. And um, there's a lot of bad news around about the epidemic, the pandemic, whatever you want to call it, but uh, even on this day, thousands of years ago, there was a group of people that had some bad news. Uh, their Lord and Savior, the one they had followed, the one they believed in, was crucified, died on the cross, and was buried in a tomb. Their hopes seemed to have been all gone. That was bad news. But can I tell you, it ended with good news? Because the good news was to follow, he came back. He came back. What good news it is, knowing that he came back. Now, I've adapted some thoughts today from a recent uh, magazine article in Preaching Magazine by uh, William H. Wilman, the professor of ministry at Duke Divinity School. And so I want to say that because I always try to give uh, credit when I'm taking something from somebody, but I'm really taking the main credit from God's Word. So if you're there with me in Mark chapter 16, I want to pray and then I'm going to begin reading in verse number 2. Our Heavenly Fathers, we come before you. I pray for our world. God, there's a lot of sin and rejection and unbelief out there, but you're still in control. And I pray for our nation. The same holds true for our nation as well. 
And Lord, I pray for our local communities and for our church and for the things that's going on right now. But Lord, I pray that our faith will remain strong and that our brothers and sisters will remain uh, dedicated to the faith that you've given unto us, that we will continue to believe and continue to trust in the hope that comes from you. And I pray today that, Lord, from this uh, scripture reading and these words, that people will be encouraged, that they will receive some hope from this passage of scripture. And not only that, that they will uh, maybe get a strong message of what Easter is all about, the resurrection, and that you may somehow, Lord, with the power of God, help us to look in this word with wisdom. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Okay, Mark. Chapter 16, beginning in verse 2. Very early in the morning, at the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun, and they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he said unto them, Be not affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said unto you. This scripture most Christians is very familiar with. At this time of year, it's read by people. It's read in homes. It's read in uh, worship services and sunrise services because we celebrate this day. But this scripture is really the very final stamp on the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. It was through this day in the resurrection that he proved he was who he said he was and, uh, and that he was there even after death. Verse number two, we see it's early in the morning on this Sunday morning at sunrise. A group of women are taking a journey toward a cemetery. They're going to a place where Jesus is laid. And when they get there to look at Jesus' body, to anoint it, to do the embalming, they are in for a big surprise. Now, on that road, they're discussing something. They're discussing a stone, a big rock that was placed over a cave-like grave where Jesus' body was laid. The reason that rock was there is because the priesthood, the religious leaders seem to believe that maybe somehow, somehow that his followers, the believers in him would show up and steal the body and tell everybody he was still alive. So they put the big stone over there. It must have been huge. And they put a group of soldiers out there to guard that very tomb and that stone. So they're walking this walk. And they're probably thinking, who's going to move that stone? How's it going to move? It's so big. They were aware of its size. They were aware that it was there. But when they get there, they find out that the stone was rolled away. And in verse number 5, it says, They walked into the doorway of the tomb, and they saw a young man dressed in white, and they were so afraid. But in verses 6 and 7 comes the very hope that we have of eternal life. 
eternal life for me, eternal life for those of that day, eternal life for all who believe and receive Jesus. Early on that Sunday morning, hope become a reality. The Lord's tomb had become empty because he was risen from the dead, just like he had said that he would. They found a man dressed in a white apparel, symbolic of an angel. And he talked to this group of women who were there that were followers of Jesus. He said, why are you afraid? It's a good question, isn't it? You get there and a tomb's empty, a tomb's empty and the body's gone, you're going to be a little bit frightened. They're afraid. And he asked them, you are seeking Jesus, but he is not here. Come and see for yourself. Now, listen to that again. He is not here. Come and see for yourself. Then note the rest of the angel's statement, because this is what I really want to dwell on. He says, go tell his disciples, because he's going to Galilee and there it is where you and the disciples will see him. Again, it says, he is going to Galilee, and there is where you and the disciples will see him. Why Galilee? Of all places in the world, why Galilee? I've been there, and, uh, you know, it was thousands of years after Jesus stepped foot on that scene. But I kind of get the idea that in Jesus' day, it was slightly off the beaten path. And uh, it was on the journey that people made before they went up the hillside into the city of Jerusalem. But it's still a pretty good distance away by foot or traveling on a donkey away from Jerusalem. It's kind of off the beaten path. Uh, and as he goes there, I wonder, why Galilee? One word. This is the reason Galilee. Love. It was at Galilee that the people was there that Jesus loved, and it was at Galilee that that's where the people were that loved Jesus. Common, ordinary folks lived in Galilee. It wasn't a place of nobility. They were in the palaces around Jerusalem. They were not on the seashores of Galilee. It was normally just old-time fishermen that fished the seashores there. But most importantly, it was where the disciples of Jesus were. It's where he came to them. It's where Jesus spent the most time with them. He was referred to in scriptures many times as a man from Galilee, the lonely Galilean. It was there he could find the ones he loved. It was there he could find the ones that loved him. So when you ask yourself, why Galilee? I got another question for you. If you're saved, ask yourself, why me? Why me? Why, why was I important in this message? Why, why did Jesus seek me out? Why, why did Jesus come to me? Of all people, why did he come and seek me out? He wanted you. He loved you. He wanted these disciples. He loved these disciples. I mean, so much so that in John 3, 16, the message of love rings out, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's love. Now, <clears throat> when I go back to the moment he come out of the grave, and I think about where he goes to Galilee, I was thinking, why didn't he go to the governor, Pilate? Why didn't he go to Pilate and say, Pilate, you remember you asked me if I was a king, and I told you I was. You made a big mistake. Look at me now. 
Or why did he not go to King Herod who, who was there that mocked him and wanted him to do some sort of miracle to entertain him? Why didn't he go to him and say, look what a mistake you made? <clears throat> why didn't he go to the priesthood, uh, the religious leaders and say, you wouldn't believe me, but look at me now. He didn't go to them. He went back to Galilee. And there he gave the good news. It's there he said that he was alive. It was there that he arose for them. It was there that he appeared to them. And <clears throat> in case they didn't get it, which they didn't while he was alive, he's showing them literally that he came back for them. The ones who disappointed him ran and rejected him. He came back to them. He came back to show them he was alive. He came back to reassure him he was who he said he was. And the good news was and still is, not only did he arise for them, he arose for me. Not only did he appear to them, praise God, he appeared to me. Not only did he die for them, he died for me. That same message is to me today. He is alive. And he wanted me to experience the miracle of the resurrection of the living Lord in my life. The good news for you is that he is alive. He came back. And he came back for you so that you could experience spiritually that same resurrection of the Lord. That he can come into your heart and make you a new creature alive again. Because he lived, you can live also. The Son of Man came as it said in Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's me. That's you. You know, a few years ago, there was a movement took place. It was called the seeker-sensitive service. It was where that worship was kind of trimmed down a little bit and the music was, was somehow put together, designed more to entertain become more singable and the services were designed for people who were seeking something better for their life. But can I tell you the real service is it. Not that with the seeker sensitive service we have need to understand that we have a seeking savior sensitive service because we have a seeker sensitive savior. It is he who came back. It's he came back to seek us out and to keep seeking us out over and over again. I mean, God just didn't sit down and wring his hands or fold his arms and just sit back and watch the world go on and on. No, he acted by sending his son to this world. He acted by sending his Holy Spirit into us as believers when we receive his son into our heart. You see, on that Friday, it was dark. On that Friday, it would seem that the believers of Jesus would understand all hope is gone. This is the end. But then came Sunday. On Sunday, the disciples found out it wasn't the end. Praise God, it was the beginning. It was there that it was the beginning of a new testament, a new covenant, uh, a, a new promise, a new life, eternal life through Jesus Christ, the living Savior. He came back. To the very ones who forsook him. He came back to the very ones who betrayed him. He came back for the very ones who crucified him. He came back for you. And he came back for me. Today, in a spiritual sense, we have all betrayed God. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us have missed the mark of holiness to God. We haven't uh, done what it took to satisfy God. 
And because of that, there's a payment attached to our sins. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. And then comes Romans 5 and 8. But God commended his love toward us. That while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He came back. He came back for us. And the risen Savior has come back. We as believers can experience and become a part of his resurrection. Because he lives, we will live also. Therefore, we're not alone as believers. Uh, we're never going to be alone. He's there. He's as close as the mention of his name. All we got to do is call on him because he is there for you. He just keeps coming back and coming back. There's times in our life when we just fold our hands and we cry and we give up. There's times in our life when we just give in, when we just crumble under despair and we think all hope is lost. And did you know as a believer in Christ, as a child of God, it's at that time when we least expect it. He comes back. He just keeps coming back to each and every one of us. One summarized the Bible this way. I, I like that. This. It says, the, in the Bible, it gets dark. Then it gets very dark. Then it gets very, very dark. Then Jesus shows up. He shows up sometimes through his spirit speaking to our spirit. He shows up at other times when the Word is speaking to our heart. He shows up even at other times when a good brother or sister is speaking the promise and the assurance and the encouragement from God's Word to our heart. He just keeps showing up. I look back over my life, and man, I've made a lot of mistakes. Rich mentioned that some in his Sunday school lesson. I've made a lot of mistakes, and I'm sure about everybody here would, admit that, would, would, would agree to that. There's times when I've sought my way and I've strayed from the way of God. And there's times and times again when I get in those situations, He comes to rescue me from myself. Uh, I mean, He comes back to me when, when I'm not looking for Him and He just shows up. He still just keeps coming. You know, following the resurrection, there were six hours of darkness and defeat. And then the day after the resurrection. There was a hiding out and a loss of all hope. And then there come a morning at daybreak on Sunday. That morning, on that Sunday morning when Christ walked out of that grave, he chose to come back. He chose to come back to those that love. He, he appeared to them. He, he reached out to them. Man, what a risen Savior we happen to have. He came to me the first time as a youngster when the Word of God was being preached in a small Baptist church, he came to me and spoke to my heart. And I was able to receive him as my Lord and my Savior. There is a time when you, if you've been lost and then saved, that God spoke to you. He came back to you and you believe and you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then when we're saved, he just keeps coming back time and time again. When we need him, he's always there. He appears to us. He seeks us, He finds us, He grabs us and embraces us and holds us in His loving arms. Now there's four major faiths in the world today. Four major faiths. The oldest is Judaism. It, it, their founder was Abraham, but Abraham's dead. The, another major faith is Buddhism, but Buddha, their founder, is dead. Another is Islam, but Muhammad, their founder, is dead. Then comes Christianity. Our Christ, Jesus, is alive. 
The tomb of Abraham, it's occupied. The tomb of Buddha, it's occupied. The tomb of Muhammad, it's occupied. But I'll never forget the day in Jerusalem in that garden tomb when I walked into an empty tomb. I looked at that concrete slab that nobody was on. And I looked up at the doorway and the sign that says, He is not here. He is risen, as he said. Now that might have been proof that he was alive, but that wasn't a major proof. The major proof he was alive was when he came to my heart, when he came into my life, when he came to me personally. I know, I knew, I know he is alive because he came back. Now do you know him personally? You can know him. He can come to you if you've allowed Jesus to come into your heart. Welcome him. And he is as close as calling out upon him. If you can just pray, pray a prayer of repentance. Say, God, I'm sorry for my sins. Say, Lord, I know that you died for me and I receive you by faith. And accept that as you confess him as the Savior of your life. If you would do that right now, God could save you. Now, I wouldn't want you to just do that and walk away. In a time like we're in right now, you couldn't go into a pastor's office or a pastor's home or a Sunday school teacher or a church leader's home and sit down and discuss the assurance of salvation. Have I done what the Bible asked me to do to be saved? Have I been sincere in my repentance and my confession and my acceptance? Have I really? You can't really do that, but I'll tell you one thing you can do. If you'll pick up the phone and call 615-210-5735. My cell phone, 615-210-5735. I would love to go through the steps that you have taken in your prayer and acceptance of Jesus Christ. That you might live assured of the fact that you are saved and on your way to heaven. Let's bow our heads and thank God for the resurrected Lord that came back to us. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you thanking you, dear Lord, for the opportunity to do this live streaming today. Thank you, dear Lord, for all that's in the church today with us that have helped us make this possible. But Lord, I thank you more than anything else for the people who happen to tune in out there and will be tuning in on our website later to watch this. That, Lord, you'll bless and open their heart and you'll encourage them and you'll hope them from the fact, with the fact, Lord, that you came back that you came back for me, that you came back for them, and you are a personal Lord. You just didn't come back to Peter and James and John and all the other disciples, Lord. You came for me, and you came for all who will receive you by faith. And once you receive you by faith, Lord, you're always there. You just keep coming back, lifting our spirits up, picking us up when we're down, forgiving us of the sins when we sin our ways and go and do what we want to do instead of what you want us to do. Lord, you just keep coming back. And I thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, amen. May God bless you till we get again either virtually or in person. And I thank you for turning in, tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed listening to this sermon, but more than anything, we pray that the gospel of Jesus Christ has saved you from your sins. Brother Larry Treadway's Sunday morning sermons, Dr. Rich Roberts' Sunday school lessons, and Brother Rory Anderson's youth lessons will continue to be posted weekly to our podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. You can also find these recordings on our website at 
www.portlandgbc.org. Again, that's www.portlandgbc.org. In the meantime, stay safe and may God bless you.